Welcome, you're listening to The Pod Academy with Chris Barrow. The relationship between the United Kingdom and India is a long and complicated one, stretching back to the 1600s with the East India Trading Company right up to the present day. In the current economic crisis, the United Kingdom is seeking to strengthen its ties with a country that has a rapidly growing economy. On Wednesday, the Prime Minister visited Amritsar in the state of Punjab. David Cameron paid his respects at the Jallianwala Bagh, the site of an independence massacre. Cameron is the first British Prime Minister to visit Jallianwala Bagh after 94 years. To discuss the United Kingdom's relationship with India, I'm joined by Shai Vyakarnam, Director of the Centre for Entrepreneurial Learning at the Judge Business School and founder of the company Accelerator India. Welcome to the programme. Thank you. Tell us about the historic relationship between India and Britain? Uh, well, it's been, it goes back at least three or four hundred years, uh, the relationship between the two countries. And obviously, modern India is about 60 years old. And there are some good relationships in certain areas. Uh, the UK exports to, the, to India and uh, vice versa. But to be honest, most of that is fairly traditional um, export items like textiles from India, silver and diamonds and precious gems from this side. Uh, but yes, the two countries have a, a, a pretty good relationship, both being members of the Commonwealth. OK, and why do you think that British leaders make such an effort with India? Do you think they want to establish a long-term partnership? Yes, I believe so. Th- that is more recent. I mean, um, I think there might have been 30 or 40 years when there wasn't anything in particular, uh, because India was, um, if you like, uh, not not sufficiently open for trade. But after 1991... Uh, things have uh, improved between the two countries. And with India growing at between, you know, 6 and 8% in certain sectors, tech sectors growing at 20-30%, it's obviously in Britain's interest to connect with the country that's growing and, then, and with which they have some relationships. Do you think it's a result of the economic crisis currently that uh, Britain are looking abroad to countries which have a, a better situation? Yeah, absolutely. I think that... Um, well, it's not that I suppose with uh, Tony Blair uh, and Gordon Brown having made some visits, which was, I suppose, for strategic reasons as much as anything else, um, geopolitics and so forth. The trade agenda has been improving since 91. Uh, British companies, the retailers, banking, insurance, the lawyers, accountants, all wanting greater access to India. And if you look at the economics of Europe and the USA, pretty flat markets for UK, it has to find new new, new places to go and uh, develop its uh, business. And David Cameron recently was in India and he refrained from apologising fully for the Amritsar massacre. Do you think that was the right thing to do for the relationship of, of India and, and Britain yeah, in the future? I, I, th- I think he's gone as far as he can. I think, uh, you know, he's got a big Sikh population electorate in this country and Southall, uh, parts of Bradford and so on and so forth. And I think that it was right that he made the gesture. I think it would have been appreciated. And equally importantly, he went to the Golden Temple in Amritsar and made a dignified presence there. So I think that's OK. Do you think that some sectors are calling for a full apology or do you think that the majority opinion is, is that it was the right thing? I think it's quite, in my opinion, it's about the right level. I mean, there may be people who want more, but, you know, uh, it's a long time ago and it was a different period in history. And I think that um, British leaders of this day and age are gradually making uh, apologies for various things that, that that have happened in the past. You know, the children being sent off to Australia, um, this Amritsar escapade, um, brutalities in Ireland, all sorts of things. 
Um, that, and, and I think there's, there's only so much we can ask of the leaders, frankly. And how do you think that, that the UK can compete with other countries who are vying for uh, India's business, really? Well, you know, this is where I was interested to see the, the delegations, about 150 of them that went. We don't have the detail of what the 149 did. We only have details of Cameron's visit. And um, he made two or three public assertions there and uh, had conversations about defense sales, you know, helicopters and things, um, and trying to sell jet fighters. But we don't know what other deals are being um, negotiated in the background. I would imagine some construction, retail, um, things like that. But what Britain really should look at, in my view, is to leverage the assets of co-developing things together. The two ways in which this can benefit, um, UK could could benefit from Indian mentality of frugal innovation uh, is very different from the way I see things going on in the UK. So that mentality of innovation could come this way. The other hand, there's deep quality research that gets done. Places like the University of Cambridge, uh, obviously, is, is, a, is a focus for this. I think you put the two groups together and actually solve problems in uh, healthcare, uh, education, uh, various other forms of technology, uh, nanoscience materials, that and the other. That's how I think Britain could benefit. Flogging more aircraft or flogging more JCBs isn't, isn't the end of it, I don't think, frankly. And how significant to the relationship between the UK and India is the number of people with Indian background living in the UK? Is that an important factor? It should be, uh, Chris. It's a really good question. Um, but the people who are here of Indian background have come from, say, East Africa or were part of the early wave of migrants. And I think that those, those sources um, of migration send money home to India, if you like, um, which goes into property and other things. Um, they're not yet gone into the area of knowledge or know-how transfer. Not many of them uh, have started to do that. I don't think we have enough or many Indians in that um, Indo-UK trade sector which mm. would look at technology and innovation. We do have them in the accounting firms, law firms. Uh, we have them in uh, parts of education. But mostly they are in, uh, say, retail and other forms of services. And as you mentioned, Cambridge University has strong academic links with India, and it has yeah. done for at least a century. What role does this academic relationship play in the, in the broader sense, in, in the international sense? But that's where the alumni of Cambridge um, have a role, because many of them are in very senior positions in India. And that is an enormous help to the university and to India. I mean, not least the Prime Minister of India, Manmohan Singh, is an alumnus of, uh, I think, St. John's College, actually, having done his economics here. And it's the dissertation he wrote when he was an undergrad at St. John's, which became the backbone of the reform policies of 1991 in India. So there are several famous university students who come from an Indian background, mm -hmm. uh, from Cambridge specifically. Would you like yeah. to see more of that in the future? Do you think it's something that Cambridge should be pushing specifically? Maybe have a certain grant set up for, for students of an Indian background to help really strengthen the ties between the two countries? Oh, most certainly this should be happening. Um, I think for about 30 years uh, in the Thatcher era, uh, we, uh, UK and especially universities like Cambridge lost the momentum of good quality contacts with India. So when I've been to India and the occasional delegation with the Vice-Chancellor's uh, group, for instance, and see the alumni that gather up, you could see two distinctive age groups. You'll see the octogenarians there with very fond memories of Cambridge. And then you'll find some of the young guys there in the 20s and 30s, but this whole kind of area 
a generation that's missing 40s and 50s, very, very few of those. And that should never be allowed to happen again. There needs to be a cons constant uh, flow, I think, uh, between India and, and Cambridge. And many of these people are in very influential positions, um, thought processes, etc. definitely need, need help and support with that. Shai Vayakarnam, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, thank you. For more information about any of the issues discussed in this programme, head to facebook.com slash chrisbarrow, that's B-E-R-R-O-W, or follow DJ Chris Barrow on Twitter.